We did not include any evidence in our report that had any reflection of collusion between members of the Trump campaign and the Russians. The fact is, I'm still in a sort of a state of what is going on here, that the person who occupies the White House is the person who was on that uh, Hollywood video. The American people can have high confidence. We are identifying ways to improve the vetting process and thus keep terrorists from entering our country. It's time to make America great again. Join the movement. The Neil A. Caruso Show Podcast. Time to dream big. Informative, insightful, and valiant leadership. Telling it the way it is to make a difference. All right, we are back on this Monday, March 6th, 2017. Happy you could be part of the podcast. So, just a heads up, we have a lot to get to today. And when I mean a lot, I mean a lot. Uh, But what we are going to do today to give you a roadmap for how we are approaching the podcast on this Monday to start the week. The biggest news items on the agenda are the executive order that President Trump signed today. We're going to get into all of the details. I have the law in front of me and we will go over the highlights. You'll also hear some sound on that as well. Later on, we will get into Obamacare. On Monday evening, the House Republicans put out a bill to repeal and replace Obamacare. It's called the American Health Care Act. There are some things that I like. There are some things I frankly do not like. And we will go into the details on the bill and what it means for your health care and your wallet. Uh, And then... We would get into, and I had this on uh, the program yesterday, on the Sunday program, uh, talking about uh, Obama's shadow government. It is, there is more evidence today that I uncovered that shows how how much of a mess, and I want to be careful with the language I use, but how much of a mess that Washington, D.C. is, and how the establishment is fully against President Trump, and how Obama is still influencing the Trump administration. We're going to go over the timeline. We're going to go over the details of uh, evidence of the leaks that continue to mount um, and that uh, dogging the Trump administration. All of that on the program today, plus we'll get some quick hits later. So it may be a long podcast. I'm starting out knowing that it's going to be a long one. and We are recording uh, at 1030 uh, right now, uh, Eastern, in the evening, and that's because there's just a ton of stuff. And I read the laws. I read most of the Obamacare bill, um, but it's over 130 pages, so I didn't get into all of it, but I read the summary of it and read some articles. So I am going to lay it all out for you in the most clear, concise way that you may ever hear. Um, And that's so that you understand what's in the law itself. So let's jump right into it, okay? Um, The executive order, President Trump signed this today. It seemed like he wanted to sign this a couple of weeks ago, but they put it off till today, and it seems like the messaging already is better coming from the Trump administration in terms of 
communicating what this bill is all about. So it is on whitehouse.gov if you want to read the entire bill. It is titled Executive Order Protecting the Nation from Foreign foreign terrorist entry into the United States. In it, President Trump, as he signs it, explains what the purpose of the original bill was that's been tied up in the Ninth Circuit Court. And by now withdrawing the first order, the lawsuits will go away. Uh, the Justice Department has to sign off on it, but that's just a formality. So there were about 40 lawsuits against the president following the original executive order. Those should go away, but the ACLU and others have already said they're going to sue Trump over this new executive order. The new part of this is that he took Iraq out of the order, and I will get into that in a second, but let me let you hear from the Secretary of State, Rex Tillerson, Jeff Sessions, the Attorney General, and uh, General John Kelly, the Homeland Security Secretary, some of the quick highlights on the new travel order, and then I will explain what this all means. Here you go. It is the President's solemn duty to protect the American people. And with this order, President Trump is exercising his rightful authority to keep our people safe. The American people can have high confidence. We are identifying ways to improve the vetting process and thus keep terrorists from entering our country. The Department of Justice believes that this executive order just as the first executive order is a lawful and proper exercise of presidential authority. This Department of Justice will defend and enforce lawful orders of the president consistent with the core principles of our Constitution. Like every nation, the United States has a right to control who enters our country and to keep out those who would do us harm. The fact remains that we are not immune to terrorist threats and that our enemies often use our own freedoms in generosity against us. So again, Secretary of State Rex Tillerson, Attorney General Jeff Sessions, and Homeland Security Secretary General John Kelly. Uh, and those are just some quick highlights. What you are getting from this new executive order, it first lays out in detail about what the original order's intent was, the 90-day immigration suspension from seven nations, Iran, Iraq was included in the original executive order, Somalia, Sudan, Libya, and Yemen, and, uh, and Syria, if I didn't say that already. And the refugee program suspended for 120 days, the Syrian refugee program suspended indefinitely. Now, President Trump writes in this executive order that the original executive order, 13769, did not provide a basis, I'm quoting, for discriminating for or against any particular religion. While that order allowed for prioritization of refugee claims from members of persecuted religions, uh, religious minority groups like Christians, that priority applied to refugees from every nation, including those in which Islam is a minority religion and it applied to minority sects within a religion. That order was not motivated by animus uh, toward any religion, but was instead intended to protect the ability of religious minorities, whoever they are and wherever they reside, to avail themselves of the order in light of their particular challenges and circumstances. That's what he writes about the original order. It was not a discriminatory measure, despite the narrative being it was a religious test and a Muslim ban. That is false. Now, 
what the court had held up there. One of the reasons, and it had nothing to do with the presidential authority, because clearly 8 U.S. Code Section 1182F and the U.S. Constitution states that the president has the authority to withhold immigration, to suspend immigration, if he deems it's a national security threat. And he clearly feels, and his uh, cabinet members, the ones that are in office, being uh, uh, Secretary of State Tillerson, Jeff Sessions, Attorney General, and General John Kelly, Homeland Security Secretary, they believe that this is very necessary in order to get some reporting on immigration and to determine what vetting procedures had to be put in place. He lists, President Trump lists all of the nations in this order and details what the United States government has deemed their threat to be. So let me go through it. Iran. Iran has been designated as a state sponsor of terrorism since 1984 and continues to support various terrorist groups, including Hezbollah, Hamas, and terrorist groups in Iraq. Iran has also been linked to support for al-Qaeda and has permitted al-Qaeda to transport funds and fighters through Iran to Syria and South Asia. Iran does not cooperate with the United States in counterterrorism efforts, and I will add that Iran is the largest state sponsor of terrorism. So they are suspended. Libya is an active combat zone with hostilities between the internationally recognized government and its rivals. In many parts of the country, security and law enforcement functions are provided by armed militias rather than state institutions. Violent extremist groups, including the Islamic State of Iraq and Syria, ISIS, have exploited these conditions to expand their presence in the country. Libya provides some cooperation with the U.S. counterterrorism efforts, but it is unable to secure thousands of miles of its land and maritime borders, enabling the illicit flow of weapons, migrants, and foreign terrorist fighters. The U.S. Embassy in Libya suspended operations in 2014 under President Barack Obama. They are suspended. Somalia. Portions of Somalia have been terror safe havens. Al-Shabaab, an al-Qaeda-affiliated terrorist group, has operated in the country for years and continues to plan and mount operations within Somalia and in neighboring countries. Somalia has porous borders, and most countries do not recognize Somali identity documents. The Somali government cooperates with the U.S. in some counterterrorism operations, but does not have the capacity to sustain military pressure on or to investigate suspected terrorists. Somalia is suspended. Sudan has been designated as a state sponsor of terrorism since 1993 because of its support for international terrorist groups, including Hezbollah and Hamas. Historically, Sudan provided safe havens for al-Qaeda and other terrorist groups to meet and train. Although Sudan's support for al-Qaeda has ceased and provides some cooperation with the U.S. counterterrorism efforts, elements of core al-Qaeda and ISIS-linked terrorist groups remain active in Sudan, and Sudan is suspended. Syria has been designated as a state sponsor of terrorism since 1979. 
the Syrian government is engaged in an ongoing military conflict against ISIS and others for control of portions of the country. At the same time, Syria continues to support other terrorist groups. It has allowed or encouraged extremists to pass through its territory to enter Iraq. ISIS continues to attract foreign fighters in Syria and to use its base in Syria to plot or encourage attacks around the globe, including in the U.S. The U.S. Embassy in Syria suspended operations under President Barack Obama in 2012. Syria does not cooperate with the U.S. counterterrorism efforts, and Syria is suspended. Yemen, last but not least, is the site of an ongoing conflict between the incumbent government and Houthi-led opposition. Both ISIS and the second group al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula excuse me, have exploited this conflict to expand their presence in Yemen and to carry out hundreds of attacks. Weapons and other materials smuggled across Yemen's porous borders are used to finance terrorist activities. In 2015, under President Obama, the U.S. Embassy in, uh, US Embassy in Yemen suspended its operations. Embassy staff relocated out of the country. Yemen has been supported of, supportive of, but has not been able to cooperate fully with the U.S. in counterterrorism efforts, and as a result, Yemen is suspended. Iraq is left out of this order, and what President Trump details is that is in light of um, some of their, uh, well, I'm sorry, I'm reading, uh, I'm reading, I have the law from the executive order. Um, one thing I want to get to before I get to Iraq. I'm trying to go chronologically so you understand this. In light of conditions in these six countries that are suspended, Yemen, Syria, Sudan, Libya, Iran, and uh, I said Syria, Iran, and uh, Somalia, excuse me. In light of those conditions, until the assessment of current screening and vetting procedures required by Section 2 of this order is completed, the risk of erroneously permitting entry of a national of one of these countries who intends to commit terrorist attacks or otherwise harm the national security of the United States is, quote, unacceptably high. So while this assessment is ongoing, President Trump is imposing a temporary pause on the entry of nationals from Iran, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, Syria, and Yemen, subject to categorical expect, uh, exceptions and case-by-case waivers, which we will get into and described later in the order. So, it's evident that terrorists are coming here from these nations and we need to stop it. By the way, this order does not go into effect for 10 days, March 16th. Iraq presents a special case, President Trump writes in this order, because while portions remain active combat zones since 2014, ISIS has been a dominant influence over significant territory in northern and central Iraq. And although that influence has been significantly reduced due to efforts and sacrifices of the Iraqi government and armed forces working along the U.S.-led coalition, the ongoing conflict has impacted the Iraqi uh, government's capacity to secure its borders and to identify fraudulent travel documents. But the close cooperative relationship, apparently, between the U.S. and the democratically elected Iraqi government, plus the strong... U.S. diplomatic presence in Iraq and the significant presence of our forces in Iraq um, justify different treatment there. Um, 
Iraqi government forces have been fought uh, to regain more than half of the territory previously dominated by ISIS, uh, which resulted when we pulled out of Iraq too early. And that's how ISIS grew. Remember, Trump said, take the oil. Well, we didn't. They grew, and they had a money source. Um, so I don't necessarily agree with that portion of it, I think. Uh, but listen, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And see, that's where you have to give President Trump the benefit, benefit of the doubt because he may know things that, listen, we kind of need Iraq here on certain uh, diplomatic efforts. And maybe... That special case is necessary. I don't know. I don't have classified information like the president. But this is what the order says. Um, and it also reads that recent history shows that some of those who have entered the U.S. through our immigration system have proved to be threats to our national security. Since 2001, hundreds of persons born abroad have been convicted of terrorism-related crimes in the United States. They have included not just persons who came in here legally on visas, but also individuals who first entered the country as refugees. Um, and there is a report about refugees today that says that 300 refugees are the subjects of FBI terror investigations. Hundreds of people admitted to the U.S. as refugees are subjects of FBI counterterrorism investigations involving ISIS, including some individuals from countries on this revised travel ban put forth by President Trump. Nearly a third of a, th of a thousand of FBI domestic terrorism cases, 300, involve those admitted to the U.S. as refugees. This according to a Department of Homeland official today. That number was confirmed by Attorney General Jeff Sessions. Officials said some of those 300 came to, quote, infiltrate the U.S. while others were radicalized once they were in the country. FBI Director James Comey said in 2015 that some 900 terror investigations were going on and probes were active in every state. But today's development marked the first official concrete linkage between the refugee program and terrorism. Secretary of Homeland Security John Kelly said the travel ban was key to ensure the refugee program is conducted safely. He said we must undertake a rigorous view of our visa and refugee vetting programs to increase the confidence in the entry decisions we make for visitors and immigrants in the United States. They suspended visa programs. I will get into the exceptions in a moment. I had an interview with retired immigration agent Michael Cutler the other day, and you saw highlights on the show on Sunday, and if you missed it, neilacruso.com, and it's on YouTube, is the full interview. It's about 12 minutes and uh, 10 seconds of uh, highlights of our interview, because we sat down for an hour. And I'm going to play you a part of the interview that I have not aired anywhere yet. And this is where he talks about the nexus between, we talked about drugs on Sunday's program. This is the nexus between immigration and terrorism. And he told me that the visa programs, when after 9-11 and in the 9-11 uh, Senate hearings and the 9-11 Commission, they determined that uh, immigration failed. The terrorist hijackers came in to our country and shouldn't have been. 
we also taught them how to fly planes. And so what Michael Cutler tells me, the retired immigration agent, that the visa programs were have been increased since 9-11 when visas are uh, – the visa programs are not sustainable because they don't have strong enough vetting procedures. And frankly, anyone gets people, – uh, many people get visas that shouldn't have visas. And we also talked about, you know, just the terminology. I always say illegal immigration because it's a big distinction between illegal and undocumented. Just because you're illegal does not mean that you don't have documentation. You may withdraw that from the federal government, and that is a problem for us in the fight against radical Islamic terrorism. So here is a part of my interview, my exclusive interview that I have not aired anywhere else with Michael Cutler, retired immigration and naturalization service agent about immigration and terrorism, and then I will get to the exceptions of this order and what this means moving forward. We have a lot today, folks. Here's Michael Cutler. They actually incorporated that term, pushing out America's borders or pushing the borders mm -hmm. out, whatever, because that's what you're doing. And very often they use that expression now when they have hearings about the yeah. visa requirement. Now, what's remarkable is that a year later I'm at another hearing, and I started to make the point about the nexus between immigration failures and terrorism. And the Democrats at the hearing, and remember, I'm registered as a Democrat. I can't tell you the last time I voted for one. I think they're nuts, but I'm not much happier with the Republicans <laughs> well, either. Well, they move very far left. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's, is that it's, it's politics above country a lot of times, establishment. Uh, absolutely. Well, no, so, I mean, when Trump came along, people were it's inspired. It's campaign by contributions it. above everything. Yeah. So, I mean, I wasn't allowed to take a cup of coffee. Follow the money. Follow the money. So, anyway, all of a sudden, one of the members said to me, there is no link between immigration and terrorism. After all those hearings, after the 9-11 Commission right. report. So they just wasted your time. So I'm sitting there thunderstruck. I don't know if you ever saw the old science fiction movie Invaders from Oz where the kid has a nightmare, the flying saucer lands behind his house, and they gain control of the adults in his life. They implant a nub that controls their brain in the back of their necks. Right. I wanted to check the backs of the necks of those members of Congress. I said, where does this come from? Last year, there wasn't any discussion at all. I, if, if you talked about the nexus between immigration right. and terrorism, everyone would have been on board. The whole thing shifted, and everybody moved lockstep on the Democrat side, and they said immigration has nothing to do with terrorism. I said, if you're not willing to recognize... Why did they say that? Were they paid off? I don't know. Yeah. Do they have those nubs put in the back of their necks to control their brain? I have no idea. But look at the 9-11 Commission report and findings. Look at the other hearings where members of Congress are now contradicting their own words. They seem to have forgotten that there are videotapes and transcripts of what they've said. Right. That's how insane this is. Well, and that, that's what comes to nip them in the so, bud later on. Yes, but so now the problem you have with the dreamers we don't know who these kids are. And if we're going to make a mistake, we're talking about a possible big mistake. Yes. And if you start legal... Any mistake, people's lives. Deadly. And understand that if you legalize millions of people who are here now, and we're told 11 million, you know, the Congressional Budget Office, 10 years ago, 2007, it's hard to believe it's 2017, yeah. but 2007, CBO said that there were 12 million illegals here. And now there are 11? 11 I don't million. believe that. I don't believe that either. I've seen numbers where it could be 22 million. I've seen I numbers where it could be more. higher than that. Reagan told us a million, we wind up with almost 4 million. Yeah. Okay? But here's the thing that no one's talking about. If you were to legalize that many people, national security would be gone. 
no interviews, no field investigations. You couldn't move the paper fast enough and still keep pace with the incoming normal applications. Retired uh, Immigration and Naturalization Service agent Michael Cutler, part of my exclusive that we recorded on a Thursday of last week and all things that are um, right in the forefront of what this travel order says. And so the whole purpose of this travel order is to figure out where the hell people are coming from and who people are and make sure that our country is safe because the president has the utmost responsibility to protect American citizens. You know, it was astounding when at the joint session last week, last Tuesday, um, which was an incredible and emotional and powerful address, President Trump said, I'm not the president of the globe. I'm the president of the United States. And Democrats actually booed. Aren't they our elective elected representatives to serve our country we pay their salaries they work for us they don't work for any of these other countries and you'd think with all the russia nonsense things we'll get into a little later with all the russia stuff and with them you know criticizing trump and trying to um tie him to russia they really don't give him credit when he says i don't represent any country but the united states and they boo at that and it must be a connection with special interests. It must be. And there's globalism that they actually want open borders and they don't want the nation to be secure. I mean, they're the hypocrisy of what their job is supposed to be and what they say on the campaign trail and what they are actually all about is astounding. And it's not just Democrats, it's Republicans as well. It's the entire political establishment. And most of them are not working for us. They're there for power. They're there for global power. And they should be having the utmost respect for what President Trump is trying to do here and to protect all of us. And the whole purpose of this, he has Secretary of Homeland Security John Kelly, Secretary of State Rex Tillerson, and Attorney General Jeff Sessions to submit to President Trump a list of the countries recommended for inclusion and a presidential proclamation that would prohibit the entry of appropriate categories of foreign nationals of countries that have not provided the information requested until they do so or until the Secretary of Homeland Security certifies that the country has an adequate plan to do so or has adequately shared information through other means. So other countries could possibly be included in this if they don't assist in, um, in providing information like every country should do. And that's all part of diplomacy, and that's all part of common courtesy. We give information about our travelers so that they know who they are expecting. It's like a guest list for your home. President Trump has ordered the Secretary of State and Secretary of Homeland Security to submit a joint report on the progress in implementing this order within 60 days of the effective date, which is March 16th, a second report within 90 days of the effective date of this order, a third report within 120 days of the effective date of the order, and a fourth report within 150 days. Okay, so the scope of this. So he'll be getting reports about the implementation of it. It seems like they're messaging the communications better already because you had his three top officials coming out and explaining the necessity of the order as opposed to Trump signing it in front of all the media and then the media calling this a religious test and a travel ban, which is already being played out.
the scope of this law, this very necessary law, subject to expectations set forth in uh, uh, the suspension of entry pursuant to Section 2 of the Charter shall apply only to foreign nationals designated to countries who are outside the United States on the date of this order, March 16th. They did not have a valid visa as of 5 p.m. on January 27th, the date of the original order, and do not have a valid visa on the effective date, March 16th. Now, the exceptions for this law are any, obviously, lawful permanent resident of the U.S., any foreign national who is admitted to or paroled into the U.S. on or after the effective date of the order, any foreign national who has a document other than a visa, because there's visa fraud that is, uh, there is massive visa fraud that's going on in Europe. So, any foreign national that has a document other than a visa, valid on the effective date of this order, or issued on any date thereafter, that permits him or her to travel to the United States and seek entry or admission, such as advanced parole document. Any dual national of a country is exempt if, uh, as designated under Section 2 of this order when the individual is traveling on a passport issued by a non-designated country. Any foreign national traveling a diplomatic or diplomatic-type visa is exempt from this order, and any foreign national who has been granted asylum, any refugee who has already been admitted to the U.S., or any individual who has been granted withholding of removal, advanced parole, or protection under the Convention Against Torture Act. Um, waivers. Individual waivers are uh, dealt with on a case-by-case -case basis determined by uh, U.S. Customs and Border, Border Protection um, or the Commissioner's Delegate uh, may uh, decide on a case-by-case -case basis to authorize the issuance of a visa or to permit the entry of a foreign national whom entry is otherwise suspended if the foreign national has demonstrated to the officer's satisfaction that denying entry during the suspension period would cause undue hardship. So, there's heart in here if you read the order. And now those are the highlights. Obviously, this order is pages long, and I read the entire thing, And I, but I read to you the major highlights. This is not a religious test. It is an order, like the other one, to suspend immigration where it's necessary, to provide reporting on immigration patterns, and to understand where the drug flow is coming into our country where crime is coming in, specifically terrorism, and to better protect our country against these acts. Wouldn't you agree that if any person is killed, that is a tragedy as a result of someone who shouldn't have been here? That's a yes or no question. So what this order just does is, here's a plan to defeat ISIS on his desk. I want reporting of patterns on my desk. This is what President Trump is ordering here and to suspend immigration because it's necessary and certainly he feels necessary and his top intelligence officials also feel that it is a necessary order. It is very detailed um, and it would provide so much needed um, intelligence on immigration patterns that is, frankly, this whole system is a mess right now, and there's way too many loopholes. And then you heard, you know, Mr. Culler talk about uh, DACA, um, the 
children that are coming in. Well, uh, Homeland Security Secretary John Kelly confirmed today, I believe it was to CNN, said that, listen, if we have to separate families, we will. Um, and it was basically – it's basically going to be used as a deterrent. Don't make the, the trek to come across the border so dangerous. And they let children – and we talked about this with Michael Culler. They let children be smuggled in by terrorists, by criminals. They smuggle these children in. It is the most dangerous and most sad thing that you've ever seen. And then, of course, there are children um, or under the DOC Act. I shouldn't say children. They're thugs who kill uh, kids and burn them to death. And they come here and they bring their radical values with them. So it's about protecting the country. That's all this order is about. And so we'll see how it plays out in the court. Because now there will be lawsuits. There will be an uproar. It doesn't go into effect for 10 days. There are already protests. So we'll see what happens. Um, but, you know... It's going to be up to this administration now to protect United States citizens and to do so by any means that they have to do it by. Um, and let's get the reporting and let's do things the right way. We can't have unnecessary people dying here. And open borders, frankly, does not work. And we've seen it in Europe. We've seen the attacks in Berlin and Brussels and on and on and on. All right. Well, that's enough with the executive order. You get the gist. That order's up on whitehouse.gov. Um, when we come back, Obamacare and big league jobs, that's uh, two big things today. Repeal and replace plan uh, is out there, and a lot more. Shadow government and more coming up on the Neil A. Caruso Show podcast. So stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. It's a long one, but it's very informative. We have to get all of this out there for you. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. It's time to dream big. Neil A. Crusoe tells you what you need to know on the Neil A. Crusoe Show podcast. A ranger station. I'd like to report a bear hug. Okay. I put out my campfire and Smokey Bear hugged me. So you drowned the fire, you stirred it, drowned it again, and felt that it was cold? Uh-huh. Yeah, but he's just letting you know you did good. Bear hug from Smokey Bear. Status update. I'm going to let you go now. There are many ways to start a fire, but one sure way to put it out. Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester. Indoor baseball, anyone? Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Learn more at UltimatePartyFoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Crusoe is the man. He's like a fine wine. Every day goes by, I get to appreciate his genius more and more. Stay tuned to the Neil A. Crusoe Show podcast. All right, we are back on this Monday. We roll along. So, House Republicans put out a plan to repeal and replace Obamacare. Uh, what does that mean for you? Well, let's go over the details. So, um, 
there, you know, honestly, this plan though um, is it does not. I don't know if it's going to be the the final plan. If it's going to be embraced by President Trump, although the administration is tweeting about it, it is uh, sponsored by Speaker Paul Ryan. Speaker Ryan said, uh, quote, skyrocketing premiums, soaring deductibles, and dwindling choices are not what the people were promised seven years ago. It's time to turn a page and rescue our health care system from this disastrous law. The American Health Care Act is a plan to drive down costs, encourage competition, and give every American access to quality, affordable health insurance. So now, the core of this plan, it will continue to protect patients with pre-existing conditions and would offer a stable transition for those currently enrolled in insurance on state-run Obamacare exchanges. Um, now, I talked about this last week. The pre-existing conditions, it, it, it's frankly moronic, okay, because insurance is to protect yourself against a tragedy. You don't buy flood insurance during a flood. You buy it before the flood. So why are you being allowed here to purchase health insurance if you have a pre-existing condition already? So you get sick and then you buy insurance. That does not make sense on the face of it. You, you see what I mean? Um, so I don't agree with that. There are other parts I do agree with, but um, Senator uh, Rand Paul of Kentucky said that the House GOP plan, quote, looks like Obamacare light and was going to have to change. The chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, meanwhile, say uh, says that uh, Kevin Brady is the chairman, a uh, Republican from Texas, um, says that it, uh, Obamacare is gone and we are having new freedom. He says we will repeal all those taxes, those mandates. There's nothing left there. So the mandate is gone. So that's good. So no longer do employers uh, have to supply a supply health insurance. Um, they are not mandated to do so. There is no longer um, a mandate for you to have health insurance. So there's no penalty for that. Taxes are out, but there's a there's a fourteen thousand dollar tax credit to replace the Obamacare subsidy, which is basically a subsidy. Let's be real. So the $14,000 tax credit, up to $14,000 by the government, will be used to pay premiums. That's not really a conservative plan. Um, now, the mandate is gone, like I said. Pre-existing conditions still exist. Um, and also, this new plan, the American Health Care Act, um, would not cover abortions. It would um, seek to defund Planned Parenthood, um, which, you know, funds uh, abortions nationwide and yada yada if you want to get into the pro-life, pro-choice debate, but that's for another day. Now, w I was doing some research on Obamacare today because we were talking about the stat of 118% rise in premiums in Arizona and large percentage increases across the board, across the country, and deductibles where you can't use it. So let me give you a example. On the bronze plan in Obamacare, for individuals, uh, the average is $6,000 deductible. For families, $12,000 to $3,000 of a deductible for the bronze plan. That's the cheapest that you could get. 
So that means that um, if you have a illness, you have to pay up to $12,000, $13,000 for family before you can even use your insurance. That's insanity. You'll never use it. And, and you're being taxed on top of it and mandated for Obamacare. It just does not make sense. I mean, am I wrong here? And why are you being taxed by the government to, to have health insurance? I mean, they're telling you that you must get this. And if you don't, we're going to take your money away from you. So you're not using your insurance and you're, being, and you're paying for it. It doesn't make sense. Now, this plan, the American Health Care Act, the cost of it is still uncertain as it has to be scored by the CBO, the Congressional Budget Office. Um, it was released uh, by top Republicans on two House committees that oversee health care. Uh, after more than two months crafting the involved uh, that involved White House officials, how come this plan wasn't crafted years ago? They had seven years to figure this out, and it's not a perfect plan. The pre-existing conditions and the mandate are the two sores on this. It also is not a full repeal of Obamacare. We keep some of the um, it would keep those popular components. Um, not only pre-existing conditions, but also allowing people up to the age of 26 to stay in their parents' insurance. I don't mind that as much. The Okay, details on, let me give you some dollar figures for those that are worried about their wallets. The bill provides, I mentioned the tax credits for people that purchase insurance based on age. 20-year-olds can receive a tax credit worth $2,000 to pay towards premiums, and the credit grows the older a consumer gets. A 60-year-old can receive a $4,000 tax credit. The tax credits start to be reduced for a person making more than $75,000 and a couple making more than $150,000 to ensure that high-income patients' insurances are not being federally subsidized. Makes sense. Um, health savings accounts, a big component of the Trump health care plan. The bill expands the incentive to use so-called health savings accounts by doubling the allowed contribution to more than $6,000 per person and $13,000 per family. This was something that uh, similar to what George W. Bush proposed in, I want to say, about 2004. I don't have the date in front of me, but I know that he proposed something similar where you use your own money towards it. Now, it's not going to help older people as much because they're not going to be able to invest as much now. But for young people and for generations to come, if this plan works properly then they will be able to use their own money towards their own health insurance payments as they get older instead of the way the system works now where young where old people are dependent on young people to pay into the system and they're not paying into the system or they are through the penalty because not many are on health insurance now medicaid uh the medicaid expansion expansion would be frozen under this plan in 2020 and new people would be barred from enrolling under the income-based system. The new way to provide coverage would allow states to implement eligibility based on population, essentially putting a cap on the number of people who can enroll in Medicaid. Um, okay, so a lot to digest here. Uh, the, the bill is 130 pages. I have all of it printed on my desk. Wasted a lot of paper and a lot of ink today, but... 
what I gather here, and we'll have more details on it tomorrow, I'm sure, as I page through the the bill a little bit more and we get more reaction from congressmen, maybe from President Trump, uh, there are some good parts of this, namely taking out the mandate um, and also um, the health savings accounts. Now, what there needs to be, and there are provisions to make sure you know, by taking out taxes and by uh, taking out the, that uh, subsidy, you are increasing competition. But you're not increasing competition to the fullest extent that you can increase competition by. What I mean by that is if you take out this Medicaid expansion entirely – now, you need to – there is built into this bill a transition period. So no one – all the 20 million people who – got health insurance as a result and, and really this is this is the core issue of Obamacare. Obamacare created the need, created an entitlement. It said that Americans have a right to health insurance provided by the government when we don't have enough money to pay everyone's health insurance. And it created this entitlement mentality that you have to give me insurance. It just doesn't work in a country of 318 million people. It's not sustainable. So now there are provisions in this bill to make sure that people are eased into and transitioned off of the Medicaid expansion and Obamacare. But the problem is that there is going to be an uproar from people who rely on it, and now we have an entitled... Uh, people who feel entitled to health insurance. So now you can't remove 20 million people off of there even though in – to be conservative here, five years, there will be better competition. You'll have competition across state lines and prices will be decreased as a result of more insurance plans out on the market because right now you have um, insurance companies like Umana. And um, what was the other one? Uh, Aetna pulling out of the Obamacare exchanges. They're not offering insurance to Americans. So there's very little and there's very high premiums and deductibles that this Obamacare, the Affordable Health Care Act, created. So if you leave parts in from the Affordable Health Care Act, like the pre-existing conditions, you are going to face the same problems that Obamacare faced. And... It's going to blow up eventually. It's not sustainable. So it is either way you slice it, it is going to create um, an issue and you're going to have the same issues that Obamacare had. Uh, high premiums, high deductibles, and you know, and just this entitled mentality that just doesn't work um, in the United States. Uh, and so health savings accounts are great. But they need to – obviously, there's going to be a lot of debate between um, Republicans because a lot of Republicans don't agree fully with this plan like Rand Paul of Kentucky. Um, the other thing they have to realize, just a flashback, Obama did not work with Republicans and look where it got him. So I advise Republicans to work with Democrats trying to meet not halfway because a lot of them are so radical and they're, they're resisting even just talking about uh, talking to the Trump administration or talking to Republicans. But what Republicans have to aim to do is try to 
bring some sort of consensus, some sort of joint plan. You're not going to get Democrats' votes, it seems like. So it's going to be all up to Republicans. They better make sure that it is done right. They better make sure that the rollout is smooth and that it increases competition. That's the whole thing. It increases competition and lowers prices and that it doesn't have the same issues that Obamacare faced. Um, Big League Jobs announcement today. Um, ExxonMobil will invest $20 billion and create more big league jobs. I posted this on my Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash Neil A. Caruso. Keep, I keep this updated. Um, Trump, on uh, this whole list, uh, Trump tweeted today, Buy American and hire American are the principles at the core of my agenda, which is jobs, jobs, jobs. Thank you, ExxonMobil. And then moments later, he tweeted, 45,000 construction and manufacturing jobs in the U.S. Gulf Coast region. $20 billion investment. We are already winning again, America. Uh, Exxon's investments are at 11 sites across Texas and Louisiana. It will create an estimated 35,000 temporary jobs and 12,000 permanent jobs, according to the chief executive, Darren Woods. Most of the permanent jobs, by the way, are expected to pay more than $100,000 per year. And... Um, Wood said that they're building a manufacturing powerhouse in the country. The businesses are lever uh, leveraging the shale revolution to manufacture cleaner fuels and more energy-efficient plastics. The supply is here. The demand is there. We want to con uh, to keep connecting those dots in wood. So 18 big league job and, uh, jobs announcement. Exxon's $20 billion puts the total now to... Uh, $82.7 billion invested since President Trump was elected on November 8th. And with the 35,000 temp jobs, 12,000 high-wage permanent jobs, we are now up to over 1.8, uh, 1,863,700 U.S. jobs created and saved since President Trump was elected on November 8th. Now, that's something that... We are already seeing a change just by the pro-business, pro-growth policy that we have been talking about on this program. So, fantastic uh, news there, uh, economic news. Oh, and one last thing before we get to the break, and then we're going to talk about this Obama shadow government. Uh, the Supreme Court, uh, big announcement today, they were supposed to rule on transgender bathroom access to, um, uh, to in schools. Well, um... This dispute over Virginia transgender students' bathroom access that was going to be uh, Supreme Court later this month has now been moved back to the lower court. Um, this after Trump changed um, the Obama policy and Obama's um, directive that said that uh, students can use any bathroom of their gender identity, so whatever they identify that day. Um, this is uh, the case of... Uh, a uh, 17-year-old high school senior in Virginia who identifies as a male but was born a female. Uh, so uh, this will now go to the lower court and will eventually probably get to the Supreme Court. And I guess uh, by then we'll have Neil Gorsuch. I mean, you would you would hope by that time. So let's uh, take another break because when we come back, I want to go through the timeline and spend time on the detail of the shadow government. You're not going to believe what Obama is doing. Trump accused him of tampering into Trump Tower and wiretapping. Well, there's evidence of that. He wiretapped General Flynn. Remember that? Remember that one? 
you know, that was leaked. All these leaks that are damaging to national security and are felonies. And we're going to get into all the details on that. Also, Hillary Clinton knew about it, possibly. One of her tweets says so. So we are going to get into that as we roll along on uh, the Neil A. Cruz Show podcast. Stay with me on this Monday. Neil will tell you the important things in life. It's the Neil, Neil A. Caruso, Caruso Show and the Neil, Neil A. Caruso Show podcast. Log on to neilacaruso.com. When it comes to saving money, don't act like a baby. Goo goo gaga. Be the boss and make a budget. I'm the boss, baby. You're the boss of me. I am the boss of you. Are not. M2. Are not. M2. Need a little help? Aren't you going to do any work? I'm very busy delegating. Create a personalized savings plan. We can share. You obviously didn't go to business school. And get other tools and tips at feedthepig.org. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! <gasps> it's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text, stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Neil A. Caruso is winning every day. This is the Neil A. Caruso Show podcast on neilacaruso.com and on iTunes. Subscribe now. All right, we continue to roll along here on Monday, March 6th. So, so much going on. Um, a lot with uh, President Trump said on over the weekend on Saturday morning that... Um, there was that he was alarmed about wiretapping at the uh, at Trump Tower during the campaign, and it's not uh, too unsubstantiated. Um, let's get into the details here. Um, the House Judiciary Committee uh, Democrats are asking uh, White House Counsel for details of President Trump's administration with the FBI and DOJ. Um, writes Priebus, asked FBI Director James Comey. Uh, according to a, uh, a report that he – to dispute media reports that Trump's campaign advisors were in frequent touch with Russian intelligence agents during the election. So just to tell you, things are being investigated. Um, Jason Chaffetz of the uh, House Oversight Committee said they're going to take a hard look at everything, including the wiretapping allegation. Uh, President Trump accused Obama of McCarthyism, comparing it to Watergate and calling Obama sick. And a bad guy, and I think he may be, especially when you look at the details. So Chaffetz is looking at it. They're going to take a look at all of this, and the White House officials stand by Trump's claim about uh, wiretapping. And here's why. Let me go over the litany of details because you need to understand that 
this is not too far off base. And there was now, you know, Obama was very adamant in promoting Hillary Clinton. And Hillary Clinton was being investigated and apparently still is in the Clinton Foundation um, for the um, uh, email server. And President Obama, whether or not, I mean, there are serious concerns that Obama went to the Justice Department to order them to leave, um, to drop the case against Hillary so that she could become president and that it would not be hanging over her head. Those are other allegations that are out there. But let me go through this as it relates to President Trump. On Wednesday night, uh, last Wednesday, the New York Times reported that the Obama administration rushed to preserve intel of Russian hacking, leaving a trail. We talked about it when it came out. So they left leaks of intelligence because, and they left a trail of it, because they knew it would be leaked to the media and would make the Trump administration look bad and would put them in display, uh, put them uh, in disarray. Also, Trump, uh, Obama still has staffers in there because Democrats are obstructing the Trump cabinet. Now, the next day, last Thursday, Democrats um, say that, or they come out with the story about um, Senator Jeff Se- or then Senator Jeff Sessions meeting with Russian Ambassador Sergey Kislyak. Well, guess what? Democrats did as well, and it was revealed. Okay, that um, or let me backtrack. Let me backtrack a little bit. I want to make this clear. Let's go back to Tuesday with the joint session address. Beautiful speech. Now we talked about the Democrats and their their nonsense during the speech. But besides that, very good. The very next day, the session's conversation with Russian story gets put out. That's the entire Democratic narrative. Now, you know, Director of National Intelligence James Clapper was on the Sunday show, was on uh, Meet the Press with Chuck Todd, and he was asked about the Russian unsubstantiated claims here that they meddled in the election. By the way, no votes were changed, and Hillary Clinton won the popular vote. If that's not evidence enough, here's the Director of National Intelligence James Clapper I'll meet the press. Does intelligence exist that can definitively answer the following question, whether there were improper contacts between the Trump campaign and Russian officials? We did not include any evidence in our report, and I say our, that's NSA, FBI, and CIA with my office, the Director of National Intelligence, that had anything, that had any reflection of collusion between members of the Trump campaign and the Russians. There was no evidence of that included in in our report. I understand that, but does it exist? Not to my knowledge. No evidence of anything. And everybody can agree because if you hear from intelligence and you hear from even Democrats, there's still no evidence. They're still trying to find things, but there's no evidence. Okay. So that was on Sunday with uh, Clapper. You know, by the way, okay, we're going to get into – I don't even know if Clapper is the most um, – uh, if, if he's the most credible source of intelligence. And we'll get into when we talk about um, Obama's wiretapping, and I'm going to get through the timeline of this. But, you know, you go back to the NSA, 
and what Snowden revealed. And Clapper lied to Congress. And we're going to get into that. And it's hysterical how all of a sudden um, Democrats love James Comey again. I mean, first, they uh, they like James Comey comes out and says, well, um, well, he goes through, he basically indicts her, okay, and goes through the whole 110 classified emails were sent and received. These email changed, yada, yada. And you're getting ready, and I'm watching on the TV. We're all glued to it. And I'm waiting for him to say, so we are going to pursue charges. And he says, we are not going to pursue charges. Democrats love him. Then, and which, by the way, he should have never came out in July and done that. Never. The politicizing of national security and intelligence is wrong. No matter who, what party it supports, it is wrong. Leaks are felonies. Let's get that straight. So this is wrong. And what Comey did was wrong. And then he comes out and says, we're reinvestigating. Democrats hate him. Then they love him again. And now all of a sudden, and they hate Comey, and then they say that Comey ruined it for Hillary, and he's the reason why Trump won, in addition to Russia, because it can't be Hillary's fault, because Hillary was a great candidate, which is false. She's probably the worst candidate in history. Let's be honest. Okay? She set up a private email server in her bathroom. Okay, and she lied, and she doesn't, and all of a sudden she doesn't know how to wipe a server, but she used bleach bit on the server. Yeah, Benghazi, and those questions that are still out there. Okay, so she was the worst candidate in history ever. And President Trump was the right person at the right time. Um, let's continue on the timeline. So Tuesday, great set, uh, joint session speech. Sessions, conversations with Russians get, uh, Russians get released. And what do we find out? Sessions was in this uh, Senate uh, Armed Services Committee. It was his job to meet with the Russian ambassador. It was his job description. And he met with them not about the campaign, but it was in regards to um, regular U.S.-Russia relations. And then we find out that Obama actually set up the first meeting with Senator Sessions. Okay? In with a bunch of ambassadors in the room and a bunch of senators from both parties at a conference as Sessions was the keynote speaker and Sergei Kislock, the um, Russian ambassador to the U.S., who's very well known in Washington, visited with, or went up to Sessions at the, it wasn't even a visit, went up to him at the end of his speech to say a good speech. Big whoop. Okay? And he has to meet with them as he's on the Senate Armed Services Committee. Then we find out that the Obama administration met secretly with Russian ambassadors 22 times. And we find out that Democrats, seven of them, met with Sergei Kislyak, the Russian ambassador, seven times in 2013. Which is fine, they were doing their job. But you see the hypocrisy of it. And Obama set up that first meeting. Okay, so then you have Trump's Saturday morning tweets. They're calling it baseless, but it's not baseless. It isn't uh, about the um, uh, that the wiretapping. And Obama's statement says, "Oh well, we would never do that," and uh, whatever. Okay, Obama tried everything he could to make sure Trump didn't become president. Obama took it personally when he lost. Obama still has his his 
non-existent failing legacy on the line. Okay? Now, what we know about the FISA request, Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, which is a covert court, no one even knows where it is, and this is a special court set up, and it is a set up uh, secret court purposely used for government officials for the Department of Justice to request surveillance of individuals if they feel it's a national security threat. So in June 2016, Obama filed for a FISA request to monitor communications between Trump and advisors. He wanted to monitor Trump. Let's be clear. June 2016 it started because he wanted to monitor communications to see if they were talking to Russia. While this whole heated, divisive campaign was going on and the rhetoric from the left was disgusting all along. And then in October, a FISA request focused on a computer server in Trump Tower suspected of leaks to Russian banks. Wiretaps existed. No evidence was found. So if they wiretap Trump Tower and now they find out too that Lieutenant General Michael Flynn had conversations with the Russian ambassadors when he was preparing to do his job later on, this is now in the transition period, they found that out and that was leaked, which is a felony, to leak intelligence. There were wiretapping going on. It seems like it is pretty, pretty well known here, if you go according to this timeline. And by the way, these are not conspiracies. These are reported by the New York Times, by the Guardian, by liberal outlets. We continue. So now in October... There are wiretaps in Trump Tower, okay, to find the computer server in Trump Tower suspected of links to Russian banks, the Trump Organization. Intel leaks mount, and in January 2017, a dossier compiled by a foreign spy saying that Russians had compromising info on Trump emerges. That is, um, That was baseless, and that was totally outrageous and was totally found false. BuzzFeed published it. No other media organization would publish. In January, now this is very interesting. Obama expanded the power of the NSA to share globally intercepted personal communications with the government's 16 other intelligence agencies before applying privacy protections. He made it easier. For spying to occur on citizens, he made it easier for him to spy on Trump if he wanted to. He made it easier for leaks to occur. And under his policy, whistleblowing occurred astronomically. The day before the inauguration, the New York Times reports that the FBI, CIA, NSA, Treasury Department are monitoring Trump associates of Russian ties leaks to the media. In February, the Flynn conversations with Russian Ambassador Kislyak are leaked. He's doing his job. He was fired because he lied to Vice President Mike Pence. Now in February, also last month, the New York Times cites four current and former American officials, unnamed sources, in reporting the Trump camp and repeated contacts, quote, repeated contacts, with senior Russian intel officials now, no knowledge of why it could be very well that they were doing their jobs and preparing to set up an administration. 
And then last week, the Washington Post reports that Sessions had contact with Russian ambassador Kislov when he's part of the Armed Services Committee, all part of doing his job. He recused himself. And there were reports on the Washington Post that President Trump at Mar-a-Lago this weekend was pissed off and angry that Sessions have recused himself because to him, if you read his books, that any admission of guilt or any potential what can look like an admission of guilt shows weakness. And it seems like they didn't deny that. And if that's true, I don't blame President Trump for being angry because there is a war on Trump. There was a war to obstruct his cabinet and keep the Obama administration leftovers in. And I will tell you a little bit more, but I just want to give you a quick flashback here. Um, do I even have it? Uh, I don't have it. Um, I don't have the audio of it. But remember when in March 2012, former president of Russian, Dmitry Medvedev, was with Obama in Seoul? In uh, North Korea there, and Obama said, um, you know, after this election, um, I'm going to become available. So uh, tell tell Vlad, tell Putin that he's going to become available. For what? What is he doing? Maybe we should investigate Obama's ties to Russia and Senator Schumer, who's having a cup of coffee with Putin. At least Trump never met him, and Trump is just trying to have diplomatic relationships. And then Saturday, this past Saturday, the Daily Mail reports that former Obama senior advisor Valerie Jarrett moved in with Obama into his new D.C. home to help a, quote, insurgency against President Trump, a, quote, nerve center. Focusing on ruining Trump. And while Obama can't engage in political activity, well, you know, his former senior administration official can, and we'll set up the nerve center in my home. And you, your job now is going to be to ruin Trump and ruin the country. You see what the hell they're doing? They're un-American. Okay? Now, we mentioned June 2016, the Obama Justice Department and the FBI considered a criminal investigation of Trump associates and perhaps Trump himself based on concerns about the connections to Russian financial institutions. Preliminary poking around indicated that there was nothing criminal involved. Rather than shut the case down, though, the Obama Justice Department converted it into a national security investigation under the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, FISA, which allows the government, if it gets court permission, to conduct electronic surveillance, which could include wiretapping or monitoring of email and the like, against those it alleges are agents of a foreign power. FISA applications and the evidence garnered from them are classified. We would not know about any of this unless someone had leaked classified information to the media, which is a felony. And Trump says we need to crack down on these whistleblowers. And it is a massive problem. Because when you have national security being put out there to the public... And other countries now see America as weak, okay, which it has been under President Obama. And they see America as in disarray. And this is what President Obama wants? They submitted an application that apparently named Trump in addition to some of his associates. Um, now, 
the Pfizer process to give you the details on it. It is technically the Pfizer court that orders surveillance. And by statute, it is the Justice Department, not the White House, that represents the government in proceedings before the Pfizer court. So the issue is not whether Obama or some member of his White House staff ordered surveillance of Trump and his associates. The issues are whether the Obama Justice Department sought such surveillance authorization from the Pfizer court and whether if the Justice Department did that, was the White House aware of or complicit in the decision to do so? Personally, given the explosive and controversial nature of how the surveillance was taken about of a political adversary. Second, the business, and, and also just an aside here, you know, Sessions recused himself, probably didn't have to. Attorney General... Loretta Lynch met with Clinton, Bill Clinton on a plane while Hillary was being investigated. She never recused herself. Where was the outrage then? And Loretta Lynch being involved in this investigation? I mean, don't you see the insanity here? Um, the business about never ordering surveillance against American citizens, by the way, this is complete nonsense. Because... Obama had Americans killed in drone operations. Now, albeit they were not in the U.S., it was done overseas and not through the Pfizer process. But the notion that Obama would never have an American subject to surveillance is absurd. And, by the way, who, who did he... Here's proof. They investigated... Or they sur uh, had surveillance on Angela Merkel, German Chancellor Angela Merkel. They spied on her and approved of the efforts, according to a national security agency, told a German newspaper. The Economic Times wrote that a high-ranking NSA official spoke to um, the writer there uh, on condition of anonymity, saying that the President Obama, quote, not only did not stop the operation— but he also ordered it to continue. So he ordered the surveillance of a foreign uh, leader in Angela Merkel. He also used the IRS by targeting the Tea Party movement. And Obama administration spied and spoke to interfere in the elections, targeted the Israeli election, in an attempt to unseat Benjamin Netanyahu. So all the outrage over possibly Russia's involvement and their wishes to have Trump as president, well, Obama tried to unseat Benjamin Netanyahu, the Israeli prime minister. They're supposedly our number one ally. Yeah, sure. The State Department paid hundreds and thousands of dollars in our taxpayer dollars to an Israeli group that used the money to build the campaign to oust Netanyahu in their Israeli prime, uh, pr uh, parliamentary elections. And this is what a congressional investigation found. This is why a congressional investigation is needed on the wiretapping claims. Some $350,000 of our taxpayer dollars supported anti-Netanyahu efforts. And the Obama administration targeted a reporter. 
They went after James Rosen of Fox News, called him a criminal co-conspirator in a case involving violations of the Espionage Act. And he went after, so for all of this, oh, well, we need leaks and we need to make sure that the media, you know, we need, this is Obama, okay? Obama wants the media to keep publishing leaked information, well, except if it's Fox News, you know? And God forbid Trump calls CNN out when they're, you know, having a total war on him. You are fake news. Um, and they went after Washington correspondent James Rosen at Fox News. In 2010, espionage case involving the State Department security advisor, um, Stephen Jinwoo Kim. The accusation appeared in a court affidavit. First reported by the Washington Post, Kim is charged with handing over a classified government report in June 2009 that said North Korea would probably test a nuclear weapon in response to a UN resolution condemning uh, previous tests. Rosen reported the analysis on June 11th. And the FBI saw and obtained a warrant to seize all of Rosen's correspondence. The Bureau also obtained Rosen's phone records and used security badge records to track his movements to and from the State Department. Um, and then you have the NSA going back to Clapper. Remember the whole Snowden case? Okay. And Clapper denied the Obama administration spying on the Trump campaign is similar to how he said that the NSA wasn't conducting surveillance of the American people. No way. Here's the proof. So what I wanted to see is Under oath. if you could give me a yes or no answer to the question, does the NSA collect any type of data at all on millions or hundreds of millions of Americans? No, sir. It does not. Not wittingly. There are cases where they could in inadvertently, perhaps, uh, collect, but not, not wittingly. Wrong. Totally wrong. Wrong. Okay. Um, he lied in front of Congress, and many, even on the left, believe that he should have been put on perjury charges because it came out as Snowden leaked. If you saw the recent movie, the whole story behind that, he saw that they were spying on American citizens, the NSA was, Snowden was a part of that, and Snowden took it into his own hands to leak that. They said it was for national security reasons, and so now they cannot, allegedly, they're not supposed to be able to be spying on us. But they requested twice in the FISA record, and you know, how, how did they know about Flynn's conversations with the Russian ambassador? They must have tapped the phones in Trump Tower. And let's give President Trump credit again. He's the president. He now knows that the bodies are buried. Now they're hiding stuff from him potentially. And they're obstructing. And the Obama hands are still in there because his people are still running the government. And you have lifetime bureaucrats in there. They aren't going anywhere, and this is all part of draining the swamp. They're not going anywhere, and they're preventing President Trump from doing his agenda. And then, you know, I read about this today. Hillary Clinton was tipped off. She knew about it. More collusion allegations here. The second Pfizer request, which was submitted in October of 2016, just before the election, that one was approved, 
or it seems like it was, Hillary Clinton sent out a tweet on October 31st stating that, quote, computer scientists have uncovered a covert server linking the Trump organization to a Russian-based server. End quote. Let me read that again. This is a tweet from Hillary Clinton, October 31st. Computer scientists have uncovered a covert server linking the Trump organization to a Russian-based server. How the hell would she know? It appears that she was tipped off to the wiretapping prior to the election. How the hell would Hillary Clinton know about this unless Obama told her and unless she was being fed information about the investigation which leads me to believe that she was possibly being tipped off about her own investigation when Attorney General Loretta Lynch met with her husband on the tarmac of a plane a week before James Comey comes out and says Hillary is not going to be, we're not going to pursue charges on Hillary Clinton. When there's clearly evidence of wrongdoing, just the fact that she had a private email server in her bathroom that she's not allowed to have, just the fact that it is likely, as Comey said under oath, that her server was hacked by a foreign agent and that she used this server while she was overseas in foreign countries. But I digress on Hillary, but how the hell does she know this? So all of this leaking and this politicizing of national intelligence is what is going on in this so-called shadow government. And Obama's hand's still in the pie. And Obama doesn't want Trump to succeed. And Obama wants Trump to fail and the country to fail. It's anarchy. It is anarchy. Okay? And if you think that I'm lying to you, and if you think that this is unsubstantiated, you need to do your research. Because these are all reports by the New York Times, Guardian, and other left-wing organizations. It has nothing to do with partisanship. If you connect the dots, and unfortunately, very few people do their job and connect the dots, but if you do so, you will see that there is a clear effort to undermine Trump undermine the Trump administration even while he is now the president and it I mean do I have to say it again we have to support our president and our country okay but no okay they're pro Trump pro, um uh rallies over the weekend and they're actually punching Trump supporters in the face and they're setting american flags on fire and burning a make america great again hats where is the pride in this country These radical leftists don't want the country to succeed, and they are doing everything they can by leaking intelligence, by trying to undermine Trump, and they are making a mockery of the United States, and it's the Democrats' fault. It's really the establishment, but it's Obama, his hand's still in the pie. What the hell is wrong with him? I never liked him as a president. This goes too far, and that was on policy. And now this, this is criminal, potentially, what he was doing. And the evidence is there. And, and it's very well detailed. Um, there's just so much going on. And so we had to detail everything for you today. Um, and we'll continue to do so. Um, but that's the shadow government that we're living in right now. It's unbelievable. It, it's disgusting. Be, but imagine, though, the Pfizer request... The Hillary tweet, all the connections here, okay, and the timeline that I laid out for you 
between the Pfizer request, between the leaks in the media. It's sick. Tell me what you think. Tweet at me at Neil A. Caruso or Facebook.com slash Neil A. Caruso. Uh, when we come back, just some quick hits of the day, and we'll wrap things up. A long podcast today, but um, we went through the executive order earlier in Obamacare and the shadow government. Coming up, some quick hits of the day, things that you need to know. I got to let you know on this Monday as we roll along uh, on this uh, Monday, the Neil A. Caruso Show podcast. Get engaged. I mean, what are you thinking about, Jerry? Marriage? Family? Oh. They're prisons! <laughs> Man-made prisons! You're doing time! Not that type of engagement. Get engaged with the Neil Caruso Show podcast by subscribing on iTunes and following Neil Caruso on Twitter, Instagram, and his official Facebook page so you don't miss out on the important things in life. The Neil Caruso Show, Show podcast. Let's get crazy! In movies, when someone at a party jumps into a pool fully dressed, everyone cheers them on and jumps in too. Just so you know, in real life parties, nobody jumps in after you. You just look stupid. Come on, jump in! Come on! Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Green light. Hey girl, school zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! (gasps) It's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text, stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Real deal, but don't just take our word for it. I'll tell you what, I've gotten to know him really well. He's the real deal. We have somebody who's the real deal working for us, and that's what we need. Neil's the real deal. Telling it the way it is on the Neil A. Caruso Show podcast on iTunes and the Neil A. Caruso Show Sundays at 12 noon Eastern on NeilACaruso.com. All right, so before we wrap things up on this Monday podcast, and, you know, again, you could always listen back to these, uh, especially today's, that's not going to change that timeline that I just kind of detailed for you. And listen, it's uh, it's long, I get it, but it is uh, completely uh, necessary that you understand where um, the connections between, and listen, there's never anything done accidentally in Washington, D.C. Washington is nuts, and they're not working for you, okay? Between your rising health care costs, and we went over, between um, the effort to globalize the United States and not protect our citizens, between all of that, they're just not working for you. Now, meanwhile, North Korea is testing us. They fire four ballistic missiles today into the Sea of Japan. A fifth missile failed to launch. Okay. And so that's one thing. And Iran also fired two ballistic missiles and forced uh, U- uh, U.S. and British Navy ships to make an emergency U-turn after sending fast boats within 550 meters. 
The incident comes amid standoff between Iranian regime and Donald Trump after the U.S. imposed sanctions in response to previous missile tests. The U.S. spy ship being escorted by Royal Navy vessels was forced to do about uh, a, uh, an about turn after a close encounter with Iran's lethal high-speed attack boats. Um, so, these missiles pose a direct risk, by the way, to U.S. and British warships operating in the Persian Gulf as thought to be why the tests are being closely observed. So, North Korea and Iran testing us. How do we react? Well, it would be nice if we were on the same page and our intelligence and our strategies don't get leaked. Um, I'm not in, I'm not a, um, you know, a national security expert to tell you what the, this means, the ballistic missiles. But, you know, I'm looking at the images and it's pretty scary what they're doing here. A rapid evolution of North Korea's weapon program over the last few years. Moving at a faster rate. And the U.S., they have to be closely monitoring this. But it's going to take more than monitoring. It's going to take some action. It's going to take some toughness. Um, story today, uh... Thank God we got a thug locked up. A Manhattan jury today convicted a career thug and a cop killer fatally shooting an NYPD police officer in the head back in uh, October 2015. So Tyrone Howard, 32 years old, found guilty of first-degree murder, robbery, and a slew of other charges for the tragic slaying of Officer Randolph Holder. May he rest in peace. And then, you know, just more liberal democratic hypocrisy that, you know, I just feel the need to play this. Um, Nancy Pelosi on CNN yesterday, good pushback by uh, um, James Tapper yesterday. There was a congressman, Louisiana congressman, made a crude joke about White House advisor Kellyanne Conway when she sat down on the couch. Now, remember, there, all the pictures show that Kellyanne was trying to get a picture of the um, – Historically black colleges and university members who were present. And she was trying to get the right picture. And then she was kneeling on the couch to, um, as she was going through the pictures and sending it to the people who asked her to take their picture. Okay. And they were saying she's disrespectful, whatever. Well, Democrat Cedric Richmond made this joke during a comedy routine last week. Okay. If you're a congressman, you should not be in comedy. And setting the picture of Conway kneeling on the couch in the Oval Office, Richmond said that kind of looked familiar there in that position. <laughs> okay? So, this blatantly sexist joke, imagine if a Republican made this. Oh, my God. The crap you would hear. And they're attacking the they're attacking Kellyanne Conway. I mean, I hear people every day attacking Kellyanne Conway. What has she done? She's the first female to be a campaign campaign manager of a successful presidential campaign. Feminists should love her. This is what Nancy Pelosi, the nut from California, said. I need to ask you about this crude joke that was told this week by a member of your caucus, a Democratic Congressman Cedric Richmond, at the Washington Press Club Foundation annual dinner at the expense of White House Counselor Kellyanne Conway. Take a listen. And you can just explain to me that that circumstance because she really looked kind of familiar uh, in that position there. So, Leader Pelosi, the joke was sexist. It was disgusting. Um, shouldn't the congressman apologize to Kellyanne Conway? And honestly, 
Where is the Democratic Party in expressing outrage about this? But I wasn't at the dinner. I'm just fine to add that. This. But the fact is, I'm still a, a, in a, a sort of a state of what is going on here, that the person who occupies the White House is a person who was on that uh, Hollywood video that said the crude things he said about women. You all are criticizing uh, Cedric for a, 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 a something he said in the course of the evening, and he maybe should be criticized for that. I just don't know the particulars. But I do every day marvel at the fact that somebody who said the gross and crude things that President Trump said he wouldn't even be allowed in a frat house, and he's in the White House. I think we've covered the, the Access Hollywood tape quite a bit, but I, I guess I, the did. question is, if one criticizes only Republicans when they make crude comments, does that not undermine the moral authority if, if um, they don't criticize when Democrats make crude comments? Well, I think everybody was making crude comments. And I, I just, I, I, oh, I just don't know. I wasn't at that dinner. But I was at the dinner last night at the Gridiron Club, and we were all, I think, quite, uh, shall we say, respectable. I'll look at what uh, my colleague said there. Nancy Pelosi, her voice irks me, okay? But, like, you see the hypocrisy here? First of all, major deflection right off the gate to go back to a 2005 Hollywood tape that was, that, by the way, was leaked by an NBC staffer purposely at that timing because that staffer thought that it would derail Trump. This was a report that came out recently, okay? They knew it would hurt Billy Bush. They were more hoping that it would hurt Trump and derail his um campaign for president okay and then um she has the nerve i mean if trump said anything like that they'd be calling for his impeachment and they're already doing so and so this democratic uh senator or this congressman um makes this inappropriate joke okay about kelly and conway it's disgusting and he hasn't even issued an apology for it as he should Okay, and Nancy Pelosi is the hypocrite here, okay? And she's the one deflecting. She's the one that's saying, oh, well, I wasn't there. I didn't see it. Okay, well, you were there in 2005 with the Hollywood tape. So, you know, but we all heard it on camera. It wasn't right. But, you know, I mean, give me a break. Don't play holier than thou either. And goodbye, Jake Tapper pushing back on her. I mean, seriously? Oh, well... You know, he was, it wasn't meant that way. Oh, what did you mean? And let's, to be real here, the only person that should be ashamed of what they did on that couch was Bill Clinton. And that's just a fact. Um, all right, lastly, I mentioned those pro-Trump um, uh, rallies that were going on over the weekend before the break and... Uh, People flags almost being sent on fire and Trump supporters being punched in the face and all that. Well, at a college, um, Mildenberry College of Vermont, well, a college professor suffered a major uh, a neck injury. A seriously scary and violent student mob attacked her. A bunch of violent and intolerant liberals attacked her as she escorted a conservative guest speaker off campus. She invited this conservative speaker, um, Charles Murray, escorting uh, the author off campus, and she was attacked by these liberals. Screaming crowd made up of students and, quote, outside agitators were protesting Murray's visit 
and attempted to stop his car by climbing on his vehicle, hitting his windows and throwing a stop sign at it, according to a college official. Murray, who has been called a white nationalist, a white supremacist because he's conservative, had to have his lecture moved to a private room because of the commotion and later sent a tweet that the students, some of which were wearing masks, that they were seriously scared. You know what? You're going to wear a mask to hide your identity and then call someone baselessly a white supremacist, okay? You're going straight to hell for doing that, okay? This is absolutely abhorrent. And for you to claim that you're tolerant and you attack people for their beliefs and jump onto their car and th and hurt a professor, a professor's neck, and you hail other professors who have your worldview, I mean, you're disgusting. It's absolutely, what's going on in this country is absolutely, that's deplorable. And, it, and it's the left. And listen, I'm not pro-establishment at all. But at least Republicans aren't throwing rocks at police and injuring college professors and angry mobs. Because whenever you have uh, anti-Trump protests, they're not met with opposition to it. It's like, okay, you're allowed to protest. You're allowed that free speech. But allow others to have free speech too. Instead, you shut other people up. And you call them these names that don't, uh, that are disgusting. And uh, frankly, teachers are press charges. And I think that all of them should be expelled from the college and never receive their education. They don't deserve to finish their education. Um, that's the show for today. A long one, very detailed um, with the new executive order. Obamacare will continue that conversation. And the Obama shadow government. What's going on inside Washington? And it's all being revealed and uncovered by President Trump. Thank God for him. God bless you. God bless America. We'll touch you in the podcast tomorrow. The Neil A. Caruso Show podcast is a production of Caruso Enterprises. Engaging, informing, and entertaining. Passion-driven, factual content that makes a difference following Neil A. Caruso on social media. And log on to neilacaruso.com to sign up for Caruso's comments, newsletters, and be the first to know.